Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in today's Beneplan podcast. My name is Sofian Sheikh and I'm joined by Joel Gomes, our senior HR manager. Joel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Uh, so what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about all the things that have happened throughout the year in the world of HR and uh, items that impact the workplace from that perspective. Wow, I can't wait. So why don't we start with Bill 148? Bill 148 was beginning of the year. It kicked us off into 2018. Uh, and that was, of course, short-lived and, and not meant to, I guess, uh, complete the year because we all heard about uh, Bill 47, as it's officially called. Uh, most of us know it by, colloquially, I guess, the repeal of Bill 148, though entirely not everything was repealed. Uh, and as the government likes to call it, uh, the Making Ontario Open for Business Act. So that brought about some of the uh, reversal of uh, key pieces. Of course, uh, the paramount one that made it in the news rounds was the uh, cancellation of the $15 uh, hourly minimum wage increase that was scheduled for Jan 1st, mm-hmm. 2019. So it remains at 14. Uh, a few other things were uh, were cancelled. Uh, we've covered this in our blogs uh, throughout the year and we've spoken about it in, in previous uh, podcasts as well. Uh, so some of the other things other than Bill 148, of course, uh, the other big topic of the year was cannabis legalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the other big topic. Not that cannabis wasn't legal, uh, but it now has a direct impact because it is now medically sort of legalized as well as recreationally legalized, uh, which means just like beer and alcohol uh, in the beer store and LCBO, you can also buy cannabis now for recreational needs. So the impact of the workplace uh, is something that employers need to be aware of. Uh, some of the smaller items that change throughout the year that employers also need to be aware of is uh, the WSIA amendment uh, that allows now chronic mental stress to be an item that employees can claim um, for the, through WSIB. Um, so that's another thing that uh, has potential to impact the workplace. And the last item that we'll sort of cover uh, briefly or mention briefly is Bill 57, which is the Pay Transparency Act, which is aimed at creating, I guess, a more transparent aspect to compensation and, and, and what specific jobs should be paying. Um, so one of the key requirements uh, of the Pay Transparency Act is when you're posting jobs on any job board, you are not required to provide either a, a salary for that role or a salary band uh, for that role. You can't just arbitrarily decide later on what it is you're going to pay the candidate you're hiring. Uh, you have to make that transparent and upfront. Mm-hmm. And there's some disclosure items related to that that are required in terms of internal compensation as well. Mm-hmm. So we already briefly talked about Bill 148 and what happened with it. Why don't we talk about cannabis legalization because that's going to be a hot topic, I think, for the next coming years. Well, uh, apparently people are having a tough time even sourcing it from the government-mandated shops, but uh, that's a whole different story altogether. Um, but from a workplace perspective, of course, there's uh, primarily... Uh, two key parts that I would focus on uh, as an employer uh, or from an employer's perspective. The first and most important thing, if you haven't done it already, it is absolutely paramount to have a set of policies that govern uh, this particular item in your workplace. So if you already have a set of policies that deal with alcohol or illicit substances in the workplace, uh, somebody pointed out to me earlier in the year, well, it's legalized now, so it's not illicit which may be true, however, it is still illicit and controlled in the workplace. Um, So you need to have a documented policy. If you already have a policy that covers alcohol and all the other sort of prescription drugs that have impact in the workplace, 
depending on the type of workplace you have. So things like Percocet and things like, uh, you know, um, narcotic substances that, um, that may impact the workplace. There's no need to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Uh, you can add in marijuana and make some adjustments, mm-hmm. keeping in mind that uh, this brings us to the second aspect, uh, aspect of, of this uh, particular piece, which is uh, the accommodation. So even though you have a policy, of course, you need to make sure that you dot your I's and cross your T's uh, with regards to the policy. Uh, but there is a requirement for uh, the employer to accommodate to a point of undue hardship, uh, just as you would accommodate for any other medical item. Um, so those two key things, as long as the employer understands, uh, are um, a requirement. I think you're you're clear. Also, it's fairly sort of pinging off of those two key aspects. It's fairly sort of important to understand how a prescription gets written, um, what you need to ask for from your employer, from your employee, and you know if your employee decides to to smoke during the weekend or whatever the case is. Keep in mind, alcohol. You know, you have a good party on the weekend, you have a bad hangover. Sure, you have a headache, but you're pretty much good to go after a shower and you can come to work. Uh, with marijuana, the, the impacts uh, and, and the um, sort of impacts to cognition and things like that may last longer, 48 hours sometimes, maybe even longer, mm-hmm. uh, depending on who you sort of ping. So as long as you keep all these things in consideration, uh, the impacts to a sedentary sort of workplace where you're sitting in front of a computer and, and typing all day may not be as great as where you're required to you know, have really sharp motor skills or observation skills. So if you're in a manufacturing plant, if you drive a forklift, things like that. Uh, so it really depends on your workplace and you need to tailor your policies and, and understand the impacts to your workplace uh, when you're sort of building uh, this out. So. You mentioned marijuana as a drug, right? But I want to like play a devil's advocate for a second and talk about the people who might argue that you know when alcohol f- was first legalized, it was also recognized as a drug, but then it became its own separate entity, and now people drink it casually on work events or whatnot. Um, the same can be said about marijuana or not, because I want your opinion on this. Is Let's say, for example, we're having an office party on a Friday. People are drinking. We're going out in a restaurant now. Being marijuana legalized right now, uh, can people smoke at those office events uh, with their peers? Uh, and that is a fair thing to say uh, and, and a fair thing to ask. And, and again, the, those policies that we talked about earlier are paramount in understanding what it is. So typically at any workplace event that I've been to, whether large employers or small employers, sure, alcohol is consumed, but it's sort of moderated, one, two glasses uh, at the tops. I don't think anybody's going to let you bring your own stash in and have a fun time. Mm-hmm. So the same way you're not going to allow uh, people to bring in their quote-unquote stash of marijuana and and distribute it among their friends and peers. So it's important to sort of uh, realize that. So there's two parts to that, of course, as is the case, as you said, with alcohol. Having an open bar policy, in my uh, opinion, and, and people may vary on this, is not necessarily a good thing. Why? Because it's a work environment. There's Yes, you may be outside of the physical workplace or the client facing workplace, but it's still a workplace event. So a bit of sort of control and decorum is, is something that's mandated. So A, control what you're allowing your employees to, to ingest. B, have in place a plan that clearly communicates and reinforces, not just communicate one time and forget about it, but reinforces that if they're consuming more than you know, half a glass or something like that, uh, or, or a particular quantity, keep in mind alcohol, even alcohol affects people differently. 
So if they are consuming alcohol, they should not be drinking and driving. Uh, and if they are planning to consume more than the one or two glasses, and if you allowed it, uh, then you got to make sure that you have taxi chits available so you can have your people get home safely. So I think a large part of it is, of course, driven by employer responsibility, uh, and it helps you mitigate some of those claims and, and losses and, and things like that. Um, the same way with marijuana. Um, smoking in a public environment, um, I, I'm assuming that's what you meant by ingesting marijuana at a at a workplace party yeah, or like, an event. Yeah, like let's say you're talking about an open bar and then people have, I don't know what do you call them, but like, you know, kind of like buds off weed at, at the counter and then they can smoke with their peers, maybe, I guess, one or two because like... See, I don't, I don't smoke weed personally, so I don't really know. I don't know, Sophia. You seem to know, you seem to know quite a lot about this. Well, I'm just, I'm just asking out based on, you know, what if someone else asks, you know, what if like this is like a workplace issue where people who used to smoke are required to smoke for their medical reasons, are like, no, like there's a certain time in the day where I need to ha- have a smoke, or you know, to help me aid with whatever I'm feeling with. Um, so yeah, what would you say to that? So absolutely. And then people tend to look at this in a silo. So just because it's, it's cannabis and you're dealing with the Cannabis Act, you shouldn't necessarily look at it in the silo. Look at other sort of laws and requirements that impact how you consume your cannabis, I guess, uh, in this particular. So to your point, no, you can't just just because I'm dealing with something, I can't just have a smoke at the bar. Uh, there's another act that governs other aspects in uh, in the province. You may have heard of it. It's called the Smoke-Free Ontario Act. Uh, a lot of bars, restaurants don't allow smoking in-house. So, And there's signs outside that says stay 10 meters away from public entrances or things like that. So those laws do come in and can govern uh, cannabis as well. So no, you cannot just light up a cannabis cigarette in the workplace or for that matter in any restaurant that you're hosting your event because uh, you'll be in violation of the Smoke-Free, cannabis, uh, Smoke-Free Ontario Act. Um, so it's up to you to sort of drive that. I'm not saying, you know, even in airplanes or even in certain establishments, they'll say don't go to the washroom and smoke or there's a smoke detector, you know, engaged in the washroom. So little things like that, people will still do what they feel like doing in the spur of the moment, but there's consequences to that. And as long as you've outlined those consequences for events and for, I guess, parties that the workplace sort of mandates, uh, I feel like you're you're in the clear. Mm-hmm. Um, the second piece you said was interesting is I'm dealing with something and I need to smoke up or whatever the case may be. Well, you better have a prescription for it, one. Uh, two, you better have communicated that to your employer that you need to do this. And three, it's not just whenever you feel like it. It's typically a schedule like any other prescription. You need to do it you know, two times a day, three times a day, whatever it is, or five milligrams or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, and if there's a requirement to smoke it, then it needs to be done outside of the work environment uh, or the employer can have designated smoking areas or whatever the case is if, if it's allowed or if it's appropriate or if it's feasible. So these are little things that you can have in place to control um, to, your, to your point. So this year has been very rough when we talk about stress uh, at workplaces, uh, according to you. So what are some of the insights that you would share with our listeners and some of the practices that they can maybe use for the next year? Well, mental, mental health and chronic uh, mental stress is, is a growing sort of 
symptom mm-hmm. of, of our society at large and, and our workspace. So the WSIA this year, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, has now allowed or legislation has passed that allows chronic mental stress to be to be an item that employees can claim through WSIB, uh, which means if you do experience, and there's criteria that are laid out, we've covered this in blogs, so if you want some more detail covered, um, re- please refer to the blogs. Uh, so, you know, items like resulting from a traumatic event, things like that, that that's typically classified as traumatic mental stress. But chronic mental stress that uh, that we would nominally refer to that now that can be claimed through the WSIB is something that is sort of systemic in the workplace that happens over a period of time. Um, a simple example would be harassment by a coworker or by your manager or whatever the case is. And systemically, you can be stressed out by that, especially if you're not doing anything about it or you're not reporting it. Though, if you are experiencing it, I have no idea why you wouldn't report it because most, or I would say hopefully 100% of workplaces, do not tolerate harassment or you know those kind of activities. Um, typically, workplaces have a safe workplace policy. So those can be claimed as WSIB uh, items, and you can file, for, file a claim uh, in that regard. Okay, and lastly, I want to talk about uh, some of the insights or maybe advices that you would like to share with our listeners and how can they make their HR policies or any, any policy with respect to the HR better for the coming year or like any advices that you might have. Um, so just one more point I want to make in reference to the WSIA chronic uh, mental stress uh, claim mm-hmm. uh, ability now with WSIB is that uh, people probably, you know, or mostly employers would probably think, you know, oh, great, here we go. You know, I'm going to have a ton of disability cases because of chronic mental stress. It's not as easy. There are certain things that the employer does that are not sort of eligible to be claimed as mental stress. What do I mean? You do a performance review with an employee. It's a particularly bad one, but it's fair because the, the employee has not been performing well. The employee cannot just go claim chronic mental stress. The employee has not been living up to policy requirements or fulfilling job responsibilities. So you need to do some performance coaching, uh, performance management, or you issue a warning letter. Uh, The employee cannot just go claim mental stress because of those aspects. It's part and parcel of an expectation on a job that that will happen. And people have obligations and requirements. Uh, If you get demoted for whatever reason, no, you can't just go claim chronic mental stress. So all in all, I'm saying, uh, what I'm saying is that Employers should continue to do in good faith everything that they've been doing. The key there is good faith. So if you're going to try to act maliciously towards your employee, there's consequences to that as well. So as long as you're doing it by the book and the right way, you're in the clear. Um, I, you know, It's funny to note, uh, since this legislation went into effect in May, um, and there's been quite a few cases that have been presented and I've been following this off and on over the, over the last few months, but 94, uh, I want to say, uh, I'm pretty accurate on this number because I, I, I have, uh, I've read it in a magazine and, and as well it was presented at a conference. About 90 to 94% of cases uh, that are coming in front of the WSIB for chronic mental stress are being denied. So they have a fairly stringent criteria in terms of what they'll approve. Just because you apply for it doesn't mean you'll get it. So it's a fairly stringent criteria uh, to establish that, yes, indeed, you know, mental stress has occurred and it is attributable to the workplace kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not just, hey, it's a free ticket to get free money for being off work. 
that's not the case at all. Um, to your second piece of, of what it is that um, employers should be doing going into 2019, uh, be aware of some of the uh, you know ongoing changes. I believe there's a federal bill, I might be mistaken, I'm pretty sure it's Bill 86. It's more for federally regulated workplaces. It is actually a mirror of Bill 148, which allows for gender equity in terms of pay and things like that. Uh, that's coming in. It's in play. It's coming into effect, hopefully next year. Again, it's not for provincial, provincially regulated employee employers. Uh, it's more for federally regulated employers. Uh, there might be other legislative changes down uh, down the road uh, with respect to legislation that has been passed or or is in the works. Um, uh, so be aware of what's going on, of course, and you can do this by following us on our written blog on our website uh, at beneplan.ca. Um, some of the other things we've touched on throughout the year is tighten up some of your internal processes. Conduct a brief HR audit. Uh, call us. We'll guide you on how to do that. Very simple. You don't need to spend thousands of dollars to do it. It's very simple pieces, uh, things like you know having a very robust employment agreement in place. So look at an employee life cycle from the time they join you to the time they leave you for whatever reason. And if you just follow all the documents and, and rules and regulations or pieces, compliance pieces that you need to have in place, that's a good starting point. So starting with an employment contract, uh, the criminal background checks, um, timely coaching and performance management, documenting all the items that, that happen in the workplace, having those annual reviews or media reviews on a timely basis, issuing the warnings if, if employees are not following up. Don't just leave it to verbal discussion. Make sure you document these things. They will be helpful to you down the line. At the same time, encourage your employees if they're doing well. Reward them appropriately where possible. Um, little things like that go a long way in building a very healthy and robust workplace. Uh, and most importantly, a very healthy and robust working relationship between you and your employee. The aim of the game is not to go, aha, and call out your employee. The aim of the exercise is to basically develop together, grow the organization, grow the employee as well. Uh, and of course, you know, some of the other pieces that we've talked about uh, before as well, which include terminations in doing it the right way, doing it at the right time, taking all things into consideration, giving the employee an opportunity to improve, before you resort to, quote-unquote, dropping the hammer, so to speak, uh, when it comes to terminations. These are some of the things that I think employers should focus on. Yes, the paramount aspect of the business is making money, uh, you know, growing the business, uh, profits, uh, your obligations to your shareholders. Great. But keep in mind all the other pillars of the business that you build that making the money and your shareholder obligations on. Because if you don't have that, you're then distracted from your primary objective, which is making the money and all that, by all the other things that will start bothering you because you haven't dotted your I's or crossed your T's, um, whether it's an employee claim or a litigation or you know anything. You've got to go in front of a provincial tribunal because you didn't do things by the book. It just takes away from the main focus of what your business is supposed to be doing. And that's pretty much it. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for your time and for your valuable insights. Really, truly appreciate that. And I'm sure our listeners will 
have some question, they can reach out to you on hr at benaplan.ca. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, to our listeners, thank you again for tuning into our podcast. This is Sofian signing off. And before I go, uh, please be sure to check us out on our social channels, on Twitter as Beneplan, on Facebook as Beneplan Cooperative, on Instagram as beneplan.ca. Uh, thank you, and I wish you have a wonderful year, coming year ahead. And happy holidays to everybody.